spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. We were attacked by a werewolf. I'm not listening to this. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope, a werewolf. I was murdered, an unnatural death. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. Shut up. The wolf's bloodline must be severed. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to day 17 of 31 for 31, our Halloween playlist podcast, where we discuss our favorite Halloween picks in order going all the way through the month. We're over halfway done, and we finally found someone to join us as a special guest. So I am one of your normal hosts, Cody Mason, joined by Chris Boniello and Jamie Lansdowne. Who's our guest? Today, we got an AWIL specialist. And I got the, I actually got one of my acronyms right. <laughs> I'll tell you what that means later. Yeah, I like that. that. That's a yeah, yeah. Joke on this because I always say the wrong thing. But Pat David is joining us. He Woo-hoo! is a big warhead. Right. He edits spooky movie trailers. You've probably seen some of his work on películas like Sweet, Sweet Lamb Baby Lamb coming out probably yeah. by the time. Sweet Baby Lamb. Green Knight was kind of spooky, but you know, I'd say It Comes at Night was one of your first ones. It was great. So you yeah. want to shout Rambo? Out, you know, tell us, tell us what you're working on today. <laughs> Rambo Last Blood was certainly spooky in its own Whoa. way. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others. I can't really, really talk about that too Alamo much. joke. Oh right. Oh man, <laughs> remember <laughs> the Alamo baby? Uh, yeah. That's all we need to talk about. That's all we need to know. Nothing. Everything yeah. else is just. Pat secretly now <laughs> cutting the trailer for the David yeah. Gordon oh, Green American Werewolf in London remake. But we, <laughs> we don't, yeah, it's it's American Werewolf in Bushwick. Um, but I am very excited to talk about this movie because I think it's a boatload of fun. I think looking at the list, funniest movie we've done so far. Wow, that's pretty that's good. Praise because Trick or Treat is a real <laughs> lucky laugh number seventeen. You know? Yeah, How about that. Oh, wow, man, we're here, baby. So. And just like I obsess over characters that I probably shouldn't, in most of the movies that we talk about, I have one very big piece of high praise for Griffin Dunn in this movie and just going to talk about all of this movie through the lens of his experience. So I don't care about David Nunn at all. He's, he's bad. I totally agree with you. <laughs> we're doing it. Gr- this is a done cast. It's done and done. It's over. But yeah, this movie, I think it's so fun. It, it combines so many weird pieces of the occult, and I think that the best parts of it are the parts that don't have anything to do with werewolves at certain points. Uh, I, I love, I would do a full review just of the dream sequences in this movie, which are great, including my favorite, which is the, the Nazi werewolves. <laughs> um, and I think that we have a, a huge, delightful movie about suicide being the best possible option (laughs) which is a tough which is a tough sell but um yeah i think to dive in we just uh really have to focus on our favorites uh our favorite friends david and griffin playing i think david and jack right in this going around (laughs) and saying let's hit the hottest spots in europe 
Let's do, let, we're only, we're here to get laid. We're here to get wild. Let's start specifically yeah. in the in wilderness. Start, start on the moors. And then go to Italy. <laughs> yeah, like just, and walk. And so they're well, just they ride with slaying sheep. it. They're talking to goats. They're talking to sheep. They got some stuff going on. But immediately, Griffin, he's cracking wise. He's got great, he's got great quips. They call him quipping. You know, he's moving and grooving. It's great. And they're walking on the moors, a little spooky. And of course, we get to a situation where it's the harbinger of death. Get to the pub. They're they're seeing pentagrams, which in this movie they're trying to stretch and say, is it a werewolf thing? Fine. Sure. You know, it's a werewolf thing. And uh, being told, you know, uh, maybe don't walk out on the moors and get asked too many questions, pushed out. And when you know it, attacked by a werewolf. And we're 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 off to the races after that. So I think this is a really good setup for the movie for two reasons. One, I think it establishes the characters super well to be actual lived in characters. Griffin Dunn's just basically playing himself in after hours, which is fun. Just so horny. He gets mauled to bits. Yeah. yeah just, he's trying just to get all the way to Italy. Literally walking the moors like it's the yes. you know, Soho. And uh, and yeah, and then we get, you know, David Naughton basically doing the best I think he could possibly do, <laughs> which is fine, uh, you know, to to feel like a real lived in friendship and, and feel like, you know, that the sense of them actually being out in the situation feels livable and like, you know, something where you can relate a little bit. And then when the actual attack happens, it's genuinely spooky and you know well done and uh, enough of not seeing the monster and all of that so and enough of nazis um, and the monster what uh, what the hell okay. <laughs> you guys take over not yet. i don't think so but yeah chris <laughs> cut your mic but uh but yeah i think we just uh, we're we're set up with a really good juicy thing to dive into with their relationship that really is kind of the underpinning of the whole movie i know that it's a romance with David and his nurse then in London getting better from the werewolf attack. But the real core of this movie, again, is is my boy Griffin playing Jack as a deteriorating corpse who's undead talking to David about how he's got to end the curse and take his own life. And I think that's like my favorite relationship beat of the movie because it's so mundane. And especially as the body count continues and he starts talking to all of the souls claims they're all so polite about it. <laughs> it's just like a, a, cutting way ahead to when he eventually has an entire movie the- porn theater full of his victims. They are just like that's I w- I love that gathering. Yeah, they're just a great group of great group of folks. So I think that you know there's a lot building up about his internal conflict and his romance and you know Scotland Yard on the case. But man, to stru- that as a little beat by beat structure after every I told you so moment of him going wild. I love. It's great. Was is the ghoul thing like um that was the thing I always talk about like the conventions of the this is a werewolf movie like the rules that it establishes and breaks is the your victims coming back as a ghoul was that established in this movie like was that just a convention that John Landis came up with I think once he threw the pentagram on there he was just kind of like you're gonna get <laughs> yeah. from what, I've, from what yeah. I looked up he was trying to originally write a script about the afterlife and and being stuck in limbo and was trying to find a ghoul to fit that. And that he, you know, shoehorned in werewolves because they were kind of the most common across both America and England were an easy one to put this on top of. And then the script, I think got shelved for like a decade. And then he finally had some success and was like, Hey, look, I got this thing. Kentucky fried werewolf. Yeah. (laughs) Dealing with the afterlife and, (laughs) and limbo. And I 
you know, push some werewolf into it. And a lot of laughs. Werewolf took over. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, the the mythology of this is kind of, you know, thrown loose around silver bullets or whatever, you know, and it doesn't have a lot of over-explanation because no one who is a werewolf who knows about werewolves is ever in control of any situations. <laughs> so it's just kind of like passed on and nobody, anybody who knows about it doesn't talk about it as a rule. So I, that gives you a lot of leverage, especially leading into the end about what the stakes are going to be. Cause it's like, oh, yeah, you can just get shot. Sure. Silver bullets. Yeah. Aren't mentioned. No, they yeah. are. Yeah. Are they? When I he's, think they are when in, he's the in the, when he's in the movie like, theater yeah, having that crash. whole conversation, like, are you going to kill yourself? And they're like, yeah, you should use a gun. They're like, yeah, just shoot yourself in the head. And the other guy's like, well, put it in your mouth. It'll, it'll be a lot better if you put it in your <laughs> mouth. And he's like, do I need a silver bullet? And they're just like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, just, just go kill yourself. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think that that's just such a good thing to do with an uncharismatic character is just make him like confused yes. and guilty the whole time because it's pretty easy to act. Like, I, I just like all he has to do in this movie for David's character is be horny and kind of smize a little bit around like, did I yeah. do that? You know? So I think that's a very easy lane to go down for, for him all the way. Um, he's just got good quips. He's he's the he is not as good as uh, Griffin Dunn, though. Griffin Dunn's uh, de- slowly decomposing self is like both of their performances almost feel like they're reading off of cue cards. Like it's all so stilted and weird. <laughs> like, and every extra in this movie and supporting character feels so lived in and real. And these two guys just really do feel so fish out of water in like every aspect from the performances are just very, uh, they're in a national jarring. lampoon. movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they just don't know it. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I think that there 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 are five performances that read as stilted in this movie, and three of them are brilliant. Two of them are Griffin and and David, and the other two or the other three are the three porn actors in the most oh, porn film that I've ever seen. Which is when a man walks into a room and says, "I told you not to do this anymore." The guy says, "I've never met you in my life." He's like, "No, I'm talking to her." And she says, "I've never met you yeah, in my life." And he apologizes and leaves. <laughs> and then later, she's topless, picks up a phone, and says, "I don't know who's calling," and then hangs up, and that's the scene. I just love that. It's just like a little extra, you know, Landis note of just like, yeah, whatever. That's yeah. the porno that's on right now, but. But yeah, I think that especially with David and the nurse who, you know, is is played pretty well. Jenny Agutter or Gutter, I can never know. But she's like doing actual work about building up the stakes of her being romantically involved in this guy who's realizing that he's turning into a werewolf in London, no less, an American. And, uh, you know, I think that he, he does his best to just not seem like a horn dog <laughs> by comparison, but she really sells the ending. I think like that her that's her. Oh ending, yeah. Um, just like the emotional fallout of, of his death and everything. Spoiler alert. You know, you're listening to the podcast, you know, I mean, it's but, a very quick ending too, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, this is just like so many disparate pieces that work really well together and in a surprising way, you know, I think of it a lot like the, it rides a similar train as, as gremlins in terms of, you know, that like Dante level of filtering in comedy and actual shocks. Well, but probably when you have scenes like the underground scene, that's probably like one of my most, that's probably my top 10 actual best haunted stalking horror scenes Mm -hmm. ever. 
you know, especially that shot looking down the stairs and seeing <laughs> a little pause yeah. coming and, and cut the cuts right at the best moments. And then that guy becoming such a dick later <laughs> yeah. as an undead person, such a good note. But um, I think it just is so, you know, the even the scenes with Griffin, you know, as Jack being uh, we're on a first name basis. Um <laughs> He just being dead and and loving it, you know, or, or not loving it, but just being the same kind of asshole, you know, where you're like initially met with the shock of how gross it is that, you know, initially they were going to have him like eat sandwiches and have it fall out of his larynx. <laughs> but, you know, he's he's still quipping and it's still fun. You know, it keeps the whole thing pretty light. And I, I think that it, it bounces back and forth between those two tones pretty masterfully. And that's why people like it so much because it's, it's earnest in both dimensions. And I think a lot of movies would be earnest at one and then sprinkle in the other, but I think it's just as much a comedy as it is a horror movie. And that's a, a hyphenated genre movie is really tough to, to pull off in a way that's like you're doing both at the same time with yeah. full steam ahead. Yeah. And I think, Sorry, go no, ahead. I was just I was going to just elaborate on the the horror comedy aspect and like doing a horror comedy can sometimes be looked at as a coward's way out of uh, making a movie because you don't want to uh, swing too hard in either direction. And it's very, very hard to do well. And this is like one of the one of the yeah. first. No, this is no exactly. <laughs> if, if you're doing a horror yeah. comedy, you you will never be a box office success ever. You just won't do it. So you got to at least make the movie. Good. <laughs> yeah. And, and make it, I think, arguably actually funny is probably the yeah. hardest, hardest bit. Like, I think it's easy to make a horror comedy, probably, uh, you know, silly. Like, mm-hmm. then, but you can get Critters 3, no problem. <laughs> but to actually make it something where like, characters feel funny rather than just like isn't this situation wild is yeah not what you're going for i think another you know not on the list sadly but another one that i think is a perfect balance of that is like Shaun of the dead is one Shaun of, of the dead's favorites. great and it's i think it's underheralded for edgar wright's filmography now it's just like balancing two tones you know like even hot fuzz it's like that's an action comedy it's always funny even the action is funny but Shaun of the dead is a absolutely horrifying movie at times without there being any yeah. jokes related to it. It's just tension filled. <laughs> and I like being able to shift gears so masterfully. So this is a, a perfect example of that. And like, you know, I want to kick off just <laughs> discussing the transformation scene. I feel like it's, you know, been on every Bravo scariest movie moments yeah. enough that it's a whole thing, but you know, that's uh we've, we were, we're in a decade now of like the howling, you know, yeah, Rick Baker's uh, protege. Wolfen. You know, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of like 1981 werewolf movies. Mm-hmm. So, and this <laughs> well, one I mean, the effects so help perfect, back it up right? too. You can you can mix comedy and horror so much better when the effects back up what you're doing versus like in The Howling where they had so many budgetary restrictions and you get like cartoon animations and stop motion stuff and you get some stuff where you're like, wow, that's amazing, and other stuff where you're like, okay, all right, <laughs> we ran out at this point. <laughs> I like that they're bipedal in the howling. That's one thing that I think this movie loses me on. It's just the that they're on all fours. When the I big see wolf. all four yeah. crawling in this, it's like yeah, a wheelbarrow, like, but <laughs> all yeah. shoulders. But all I, shoulders, I do love the yeah. the first like kind of full shot that we get way pulled back, long lens over the guy who's now fallen on the escalator and his nose is oh, bleeding. Oh yeah, that's all. And you just yeah. see the the wolf for two seconds and it cuts out. And I was like, that's all I need. I'm I'm in. 
Yeah. 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 No, it's, no, I no mean, in, in terms of the werewolf canon and like, quite frankly, there's like so many shitty werewolf movies. And I think part of that is just the barrier of entry because it's like, you know, other monsters like a vampire. It's like, oh, we'll give him some fangs. Like it takes money to make an actual convincing werewolf and make it look good. And, you know, they obviously succeeded in this part by being, you know, creative with their editing, having the money to actually put together a suit and a transformation scene and just like adding like building out these sequences that are all about suspense. Because at the end of the day, it is like, you know, a totally outlandish concept. And I think that's part of the reason why the comedy works so well is because it allows us to sort of like relate more to the characters on a level when they're dealing with such a ridiculous situation. And it's at, and then that makes it even more scarier when like the wolf is running around eating people and there's like these crazy shifts. So we have those scenes in the hospital where Jack is like, you know, falling apart. And then we have like the scene in the, the tunnel where the wolf is stalking someone and God, like, I mean, still, I mean, this is, this came out what 1981 and there still hasn't been, in my opinion, like too many other werewolf movies that have really topped this one. Twilight, like, I love Dog. Twilight Saga. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I love dog soldiers and I, I love like uh ginger snaps in a sense, but this one still stands above them all. In my opinion. You didn't watch Underworld Rise of the Lords. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Project Metal Beast. All hits. Any, any Project hits. Metal Beast fans? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, and I think like even like Wolfman, like 1941 Wolfman, like that's not a movie I think that's like much beloved with the test of time for Universal Monsters. He's just kind of involved, you know, like whereas I feel like if you break down all of the levels of Dracula, all of the levels of Frankenstein, all the levels of even Creature of Black Lagoon, other things like it's you know, those are cr- very successful movies for the type of creature and circumstance they create. And Wolfman, I think, is just stuck in feeling like you can only really do that one way. Um, and they literally remade it the exact same way to real effect. <laughs> so I think if you're going to do a transformation wolf movie, you have to have like a, a pretty fresh, unique take to succeed now because just doing like a a movie strictly about Remus Lupin trying to control himself. Yeah. So, you know, trite now. So I, I think this is a good mix of effects. Um, to Ryan make- Gosling is going to do it. And uh, you know, he's going to be sure, the Wolfman. I know. But- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm psyched because I think it's going to d- add that twist that has been missing in a lot of these cases. Like, I mean, like, twist. Oh, <laughs> like all werewolf movies can, you know, essentially, like I mentioned, Ginger Snaps. I'm like, it's obviously like, conflating like a werewolf transformation with like a woman's a young girl's puberty yeah so i think like that's the a ryan gosling one <laughs> yeah. but like you know like i think the ryan gosling one will add something and i have a i think i read something it's gonna have to, it's gonna be dealing with sort of like me too accusations and things oh. like that where this character is so we'll, we'll see what <laughs> it's happens it's a swing we don't know if it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be a home well, run or I mean, strikeout did you we'll did you see. like the invisible man like if that's the same director oh is he directing it that's yes. a very yeah. interesting yeah it's lee it's lee Wattel or yeah so i think he's, he's gonna take that same sort of gaslight movie yeah gaslight movie and like kind of perfectly in my opinion weave that through this like you know a classic horror monster. We're overdue for man. a Me Too Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I think he could do the trilogy and, and nail it. But I think that's a similar thing is that the, the wolf, the new wolf man will also be tackling those issues, which, you know, is something that 
like you said, like how many times can we just have someone going through a transformation? Like, oh no, like because that's kind of a trope of werewolf movies. Well, yeah, yeah, because so they don't ever have. And this much one has death. like thematic material. As as a character, yeah, not this one has death. completely different thematic material, like Pat was saying, where it's like this is about mortality and limbo and death and about taking your like to be. It's literally a to be or not to be movie, mm-hmm. and like <laughs> you know, and the guilt that you have by association, and like this could that could have been for like any cut and paste monster and it works best with werewolves when he's ripping off a police sergeant's head but <laughs> it's hard to make the story of i blacked out and i guess killed people because i was hungry <laughs> like that <laughs> that in depth over time and and keep going um but pat i was wondering how did you get introduced into this movie and and fall in love with it as cody said you're a huge fan I, I mean, I am a huge fan. Um, I'm trying to think of when I first saw it. It must have been probably, it was probably when Cody and I were in high school. We were high school buds and both very into Edgar Wright. And I think Edgar Wright was continually listing this as like his favorite movie of all time. Like we, Shaun of the Dead was an all time favorite of, of both mine and Cody's. And until I like, finally got around to i think i had to order it via netflix delivery service yeah. <laughs> when that was still like <laughs> yeah. a thing so uh i scratched over a couple exactly scenes, no and uh as soon as ripped i ripped it on handbrake for it, later it's exactly i mean it, it's a it's it's a movie that strikes that genreless tone that so many of edgar wright's movies do like it doesn't really adhere to any one specific genre and also the soundtrack is just exclusively banger covers of uh blue moon <laughs> moon songs yeah, yeah. very moon moon themed is what i wrote uh, yeah very moon right, themed like, so- the, soundtrack so obvious but so effective like i love every single because it's all about moon dances placed perfectly both cuts of blue moon are per you know like the, the ending needle drop oh is hysterical like, one of the funniest you know. and it's so funny that they didn't uh license werewolves of london because they were like it's too obvious but at the same time <laughs> we're like we'll only do moon songs baby yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah as the there, was a, there by, are four minutes of this movie on the editing floor that are definitely him walking around trafalgar square just going wow yeah it's you know, it's like, crazy yeah. that that is not included but you know, I've, I've read interviews with a- the actors in this movie, too. And they're just like, I have no idea why they didn't do that. Like, <laughs> the movie was was built for this. <laughs> All right. Uh, somebody get what we won't say David Gordon Green, because I guess it's Lee Wattel. But, you know, he can he can get on that. Secure the rights. I wonder if that is the me- the reason that this movie ended up existing in the form that it did. Because what did that come out in like 1977, 1978, that song? Like, Probably. Here, I actually have there it. Ha- there has to be a, a intro to some book about it. Yeah, I'm looking it up. It's 78, 78. Like, he had to have it. been like, it all clicks. It all clicks. <laughs> I oh, have there the Zivan Zivan album. Or in Zivan. Yeah. Yeah, liner notes. 78. I, uh, so that, it I got in touch with a young director. It was almost Werewolf, an American Werewolf in Paris. I know that's the sequel, but it, apparently like they right before they started shooting, they almost had to switch locations. I actually have a soft spot for the sequel too, which is actually a terrible movie, like not good at all. Because you just like Julie Delpy so much? <laughs> it's very, very bad, but I also enjoy the sequel. I feel like it was it was licensed cheaply on a lot of uh, channels yeah. during growing up, so I saw it a lot. On Chiller. 
That's a trailer I re- I remember seeing too, like as a kid seeing the trailer on TV and being like, "Whoa!" I always hear my dad talking about this other one. Is this like ours now that we get to go see? It's got the dude. It's I'm got sh- the dude from that thing you do in it. That it, Tom Everett Scott. <laughs> We're waiting for Tom Everett Scott's comeback. He was in La La Land, and I was like, "Oh, it's coming back, baby!" You know, and that thing you do, comma two, isn't. <laughs> Coming back anytime soon, much to my chagrin. So, starring you know, Chet Hanks. Yeah, we'll get Ed Sheeran in there too. <laughs> Whoever can be there. But yeah, I think the other thing I wanted to mention is just kind of how this movie, I think, is a fun example of somebody who's probably just been gestating like little images of horror in their mind for so long and they just didn't know how to put them into something. And I think the best example of this is just the werewolf Nazi family murder <laughs> nightmare, where I think. Just as a you know, a writer or somebody who thinks about horror concepts, I really would dollars for donuts bet that John Landis was just like had that nightmare or <laughs> thought about it in the shower once and was like, I have to film this. Like I need to get this out of my body. Yeah. And then just wrote that into the movie to be like, This is a scene that has to exist. It can't really exist in any other context. So I'm just gonna make it a dream sequence. And I think it works yeah. so well because so many other directors could make that so much more literal and just keep it to like the man running through the woods naked eating a deer but then to throw that in there is a jarring like yeah this this is the same freudian shit but weird you know like dreams are weird they should be actually weird not just like different and symbolic so and to also then finish it off with the double fake out yes the double fake out the cliche of doing the double fake out dream sequence in there but also having it be about Nazi werewolves killing an entire family is like you yeah. live transcendent. You earn the cliche if you do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you've earned a pass for a cliche once you've been done the least cliche dream sequence ever made. So um, yeah, I think that this was so fun to rewatch. I rewatched it for the first time. I, you know, I think with with my wife now and she only caught the last half which was the worst way to watch it but just was so surprised by how it ended and i think we usually talk about best circumstances to to watch this with and i think i this is the first movie that i think of that i think is just across the board there is not a bad way to watch this like so many times we're like oh this is better to sit down and really have a meal with and like watch contemplatively this is good for a party in the backdrop this is good to watch at alamo draft house this is good to just watch on your own really focus to like i could see this playing to the rafters with one person in the room or 70 people in the room i think it's it has all of those pieces for everybody that i think like it's such a sad fact that this isn't you know this is a cult movie but it wasn't just like a blast of a success movie because now i think like this hits every quadrant this is you know this is this is batman 89 like this is like everything is checked off for me here and it still manages to be unique so i don't know what what would be your preferred venue of choice for this midnight on friday the 13th like we just had. yeah i mean I, I watched it similar way i, I watched it with my <laughs> fiance on my rewatch and, and we were both laughing and having a great time and i had a similar thought like this this would be a fun alamo like i'd like to have crushed a few beers and just ride this one for a bit. <laughs> what she came in at the end and what sold her was the porn stuff was just <laughs> laughing like, what and i was like yeah it's like what this movie's like is this kind of got some stuff like that and you just kind of have to be yeah. like that's in the movie now i guess all right moving on like that's that's what sells me it's the little in idiosyncrasies but uh yeah i think the um 
best parts of this are really, you know, the the parts you'd expect around the werewolf stuff um, that is just very definitionally like, oh, this is a werewolf stalking people at night. Um, so I don't want to undersell that. Like, I, I think I came out <laughs> swinging for just like, oh, it's just the little, you know, lunchroom talks of this. that did it. But like, I think we should give some credit to like outside the, the underground scene, you know, the the st- different stalking scenes we have, the scene on the moors, and then the final confrontation when especially starting off by ripping someone's head off, <laughs> like I think works in a way that I just think of this as such a good example of something where movies like this usually take two avenues where there's either like this is contained and in the end we were able to contain it in such a way that the world doesn't have to know about it or you know you go like the little shop of horrors route and it's like it takes over the world or something like that it's the road less traveled <laughs> i think this is a great mix of just like this movie ends with like 150 to 200 people experiencing like the weirdest thing that ever happened <laughs> on earth and then none of them will ever have evidence that it happened. <laughs> and then just by... And I do love leading up to that, though, that it, it's I feel like it's one of the most realistic car crash pileups I've ever oh, seen. Where it, so oh, scary. Yeah. Maybe the scariest people throwing. Yeah, like you yeah. rarely ever see the, the, the wolf, person coming the through yeah. the windshield and like getting head run over. And it's just like, you're like, yeah, that's that's what would happen if even if everyone was just going like 30 miles per yeah, hour and starts banging into each other. Don't do roundabouts. Especially everybody. in the 80s when they didn't <laughs> even have seatbelts. You're going through that windshield and then get <laughs> run over by the bus. Oof. Yeah, that, more casualties from that than anything else in this movie. But yeah, and I think it's just fun that it's like, okay, we could deal with the ramifications of this. We could add 10 minutes of people recovering in the hospital, the nurse dealing with something and trying to prove it and it getting shut down by Scotland Yard and it being covered or she's up got like or a, something. A bite mark or something. Yeah, like, yeah. ooh, you know. Yeah, that would have been like the 70s ending, the slow zoom into like the bite well, mark on the army of the dead ending, if you will. There we go. Or the thriller yeah. ending. She looks around her eyes. <laughs> yeah. <pretty yellow> but <laughs> no, it's just like, nope, we're going to leave you with this human moment of horror and everybody's just going to have to deal with something that just really sucked. And I think the other thing that I'm glad isn't included is it's just completely implied that the curse is broken. Like this is the best case scenario. You, you see all the, the people slowly disappear back into the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, all just giving like them the, the end of ghost. <laughs> fade away. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, but like, I'm thinking like the ghost and like the big tunnel opens exactly, up and they'll yeah. walk away. Yeah. So I, I I think that that's great that it's just kind of implied that it's like, all right, he took too long and he killed, let's call it 35 to 40 people <laughs> by you know his hand or by omission. But, you know, the curse is over. So great. You know, we'll move on. I will say, I think they could have held that shot for like 15 seconds longer, just a little bit. Like, it, it's just like, boom, we're out. Like, I wait, what? disagree. I I'm, also, I'm 100%, I'm, I'm 100% on board with every uh, editing. I'm fine with that. having the song come in. I just want to, I want to sit there for like a second longer. It's so funny. Okay. The jarring nature of the song, just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like the tonal whiplash could break your neck. And that's that's yeah. what I dig yeah, so much about the editing in this. It's equal parts like so respectful and so disrespectful of your audience. And the immediate start of the credits is like, oh, shit, I got to get up at least. What? <laughs> yeah. And that's no why time you, to process whatsoever. You do the high tempo version of Blue Moon. You're just like, get, get out of seats. We got another showing. All right. Bye, bye, I'm still bye, trying to figure out how the British cops had guns. Hey, <laughs> they they 
called in the, the dog squad. Yeah, the dog soldiers, boys. The dog catchers. Oh, God. I got to rewatch Dog oh, Soldiers now. Liam Cunningham doing It doesn't quite stuff. hold up. Not on the it's list. Great. Not Sorry. Not on the list. Yeah, we yeah. pick this. We pick this as our werewolf pick. New Moon was, I shouted New Moon from the rafters. You know, no one listened to me. I wanted to do Silver Bullet. Oh, man. Silver Bullet. Yeah. Well, despite the werewolf look, looking like a bear, <laughs> I love Silver Bullet. Why not? Why not? Yeah, I feel. Have we co- have we collected them all? Um, have we collected every Universal monster now that we've done this? Because we did a vampire movie. We did, as I called it, Pat, over and over again, FCCs, <laughs> um, which is not right. It should be FFC, FCCs. Said FCCs, <laughs> the, the Federal D. <laughs> Communications Commissions, uh, uh, BSD, um, which you know Francis Ford Coppola's or the very good communication commissions. I thought you were going to go with uh, Pontypool with Federal Communications Commission. That zombies though. Oh there yeah, well, hey, um, that's it. You know, I, I mean, we don't I have a mummy. Too... Oh fuck, we got. I was going to count the lure as a creature from. The that's Black a lagoon Lagoon-ish one. Yeah, lure can count yeah, for sure. They're lagoon ish. What can we count as a mummy? Is there a mummy in Harry Potter three? You know Somewhere, what? I'm probably. gonna say is is Candyman kind of a mummy? <laughs> He's well preserved. I'm gonna say that episode twenty. <laughs> episode twenty. I'm calling it out now for the listeners at home. Ooh. Episode twenty. Oh yeah. Get ready for it. Beep. I'll tell you guys. I'm gonna count that as a mummy. So just just wait for that. You got to come back now to see us complete the entire set because that's well. There's no Invisible Man either, technically speaking. Oh well, he's we been in every film. <laughs> he's just hanging out. <laughs> I mean, I think we, I think yeah. we have oh, one yeah, coming yeah, up right. that is, you know, could be invisible. Oh, actually, Harry Potter three invisibility cloak. Oh, <laughs> you, you dirty dog. We did it. What all. about? Well, I guess actually we we did werewolf there too. So this is this has been a dumb exercise, but I'm glad we did. <laughs> we've led you down this road. <laughs> this has been a waste of time. Yeah, we yeah. We've, we're we're fully done. Um, actually, trick or treat had werewolves in it too. So <laughs> yeah, we we literally probably got them all done in trick or treat, and we're just being assholes now. Yeah, I guess we did do a lot of a lot of werewolf stuff, but I think we've got. A good amount now looking down for, you know, the second half of this. I think we've got a good assortment. I think for this first half, we've had some staples. We've had some, you know, wild, the lore style choices. And I think for this next stretch, we've got a lot of a lot of heaters, a lot of things that are just true, fun, horror, horror, horror for the next week going up. So I think that's going to be a good, you know, you laugh now but I don't know if you'll be laughing <laughs> for the next little bit here. I can, I could think basically for another week, we're all taking more of a serious note. So excited. Yeah, we are. Pat, would, would this be a Halloween watch for you? Do you watch this every year? Do I watch this every year? Uh, probably not. I've seen this movie maybe 30 times. Oh, like wow. the, I go through the stretch where I will watch it like every night for like two weeks and then I just burn out on it. <laughs> but yeah, that was like wrong. me with The Shining. Uh, when I was a kid, I watched The Shining. I think every yeah. day for like two or three months. <laughs> Which there, you're catching yes. on new things. This, you're just like, I want to live in it. I just want to hang just out, soak it up. And this, this I feel works as a Halloween movie, just because one of the things we talked about a lot on this podcast, Pat, has been just that feeling of going unassuming especially americans going unassuming (laughs) into something that starts to connect them to 
like an older, more almost Celtic or Druidic kind of feeling of like old gods. You know, I, I think the yeah, English love like, that. <laughs> that's that is like the most English thing. Yeah, the more uh, piece of this is so much that like the the going back in time into this more like fanciful phantasmagoria time and we talked a lot about that in in trick-or-treat we talked about that in sleepy hollow you know we've we've done a lot where it's just like that lived in sense of oh okay one day one bad day with one full moon is going to be the thing that's going to slip you back into that so i do love the guy in the bar who later on when during the investigation is like in the corner being like hey the curse finally left the town stop fucking this up don't tell anyone like <laughs> this shut is your dope news. we finally got rid of the goddamn werewolf oh yeah is that that's a question i wanted to ask pat and and maybe the group is it understood who the werewolf is at the beginning of the movie or is it just kind of like a dude that's local that's just around in the woods now like because that's the one part that i don't understand is like they never show the insert shot of like him at the morgue and it's like, oh, that was Jeffrey, you know. Yeah, he's just like a guy. Yeah. When you see him, he's just a dude. I'm guessing he's just a neighbor that they may have known at one point. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. But yeah. they, I think with the way the David is able. That's one of the things I don't think we're supposed to think too hard about. Okay. With the way David is able to be normal on all the other days, I would assume that this has somehow just been something in their town and no one goes that far or does that much other stuff where it's just perpetually someone ends up being the werewolf in town and now they've they right. finally <laughs> accidentally got it to go all the way to london and the dude's just like hey don't tell anyone like we're good like, we're good because i i half expected like the first time i saw this someone to just like put their hat on and be like it's that time again and it was just like yeah. oh james <laughs> you're gonna go be a werewolf but yeah. he's kind of an anonymous member well I, speaking of the unassuming americans i always thought like you know they, they simply ask what's up with the pentagram like come on that's <laughs> like Such it's, a, it's a fair it's a fair question to ask in the middle, they, after an absolute heater of a joke, just great <laughs> racist Alamo joke. And then everybody's like, uh, <laughs> speaking of like, tell me your town's dark. Secrets. These guys went to the Eli Roth <laughs> school of traveling. Just Americans. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> we're going to get in the worst possible situation by just being on like an American boob tour. You know? Yeah. yeah. They, it all works out in the end. They go to they go to heaven. Assumably, <laughs> you know, it's all fine. I mean, there is an afterlife we are in this film's mythology. Right? Yeah, and honestly, everybody who dies is pretty sweet. I I hear. Have any of you seen the cut scene of him tearing apart the homeless people? Yes. No. Yeah, I have not seen. There's it. Speak apparently on it, that's Pat. really upsetting. <laughs> what? The, where? With, yeah. Where they're in the the trash can? Where the yeah. dog runs away? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's I seen it's that good. One. I mean, it's like, does it need to be included in this movie that already has like kind of jarring violence? I don't know. Probably. I'm I'm always willing to to <laughs> give a thumbs up to like uh, upsetting violence and stuff. Yeah, I I, I heard it. we we've been talking about some like cut scenes lately, and I'm like, I think this one feels trim mm-hmm. in its in its usage of like how much are we going to show of these attacks, and like so much of it is just cutaways after a howl and like a streak of fur, and I think that's to its benefit like otherwise it would start to feel a little too lazy in terms well, of you show too much of the wolf and it's yeah give it away. yeah like the un- yeah. I, we can't talk about that underground shot enough because it's just like that is the perfect amount yeah. of show mm-hmm. don't don't show the full monster kind of thing you know but anyway i feel like we've uh fully toasted 
one of our faves here, a, a common watch, but something definitely to add to your rotation or revisit because it's going to make you chuckle. Yeah. It's going to make you <laughs> scream. And uh, it's it's good for any setting. So, you know, watch it on any any old device you got in your hands or in your living room or in your movie Pat, theater. Pat, would you so edit I, the A24 version of... A24? Werewolf. I would. I would do that. Comma American. <laughs> Werewolf American? Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would yeah. probably put like a, a sad folk cover under under whatever that is. The Using the... The Beach Boys for Lamb was like that. Pretty much did it. Did it for me. Was that your choice, or was that, that was that you? was my choice? I, I had That's there awesome. was an initial. Uh, that was he paid a million dollars. No, there were there were two <laughs> two songs that I pitched. One was He's still giving out hand jobs to the day. <laughs> exactly. <to> Unfortunately, <laughs> two songs that I pitched. One was um, a perfect miracle by Spiritualized, uh, which is. If you listen to that song, you can very much see how it fits. And then the other was um, was Beach Boys, and they went with Beach Boys, which I was. <laughs> we got yeah. an extra pile of cash lying around. We go, let's make this happen. <laughs> yeah. No, I think um, you know this is probably one of our best music picks of the. Oh of yeah. the, uh, You know of the pod, so I think that relates to to Pat's editing style having jarring pop tunes over scary spooky stuff so that's his urtext like that. here who's the who's the upcoming director you'd want to uh Ooh, work man. With on that? if i had to pick a guy i'm very excited for uh i don't want to butcher his name feed out fede alvarez uh his his next oh, yeah. movie is going to be a ghost story set in the white house of like a president with dementia just encountering all the ghosts oh, of former presidents living in the White House. I, I've read about this, but he's been working on that for a while. And I would wow, I would kill to work on that movie. It sounds so awesome. He could definitely he's gonna bring that charm to the Exactly. We get to see Rome. like yeah. weird yeah. Howard Taft just <laughs> rotting in a bathtub or something. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah. yeah. I think uh I think Julia uh was it Dukarnu? I don't remember how to pronounce her last name. Who did uh, Raw and, and uh, Titan, which had an amazing, yeah. amazing first trailer. That trailer absolutely yeah, rips. is insane. I'd I'd like to see uh, her ripping some body parts and let people eat some more meat. Yes, I would. I would love <laughs> just that would be the thing. All of the villagers would just go to the corpse and just also eat the corpse. Ooh, and also just add in that like the werewolves drive ridiculous muscle cars and have sex with them yes like, go i'm just <laughs> see this you're just riffing. no one's gonna say uh no one's gonna say max landis whoa <laughs> <laughs> oh. i can't believe it's taken this long for us to talk to talk smack on max landis jamie we're barely halfway through now we're gonna get canceled <laughs> god damn it yeah we we definitely bleep out that name on uh on the pod you know just Thanks for making Channel Zero happen. And yes, I salute you for this. Done. Channel Zero <laughs> rips. I didn't know that he was a part of that. Yeah, Channel Zero EP, and I, I think he, you know, Chronicles getting a sequel now. So he's back. That's his comeback vehicle. I don't think he's. A, it, it, he's not. There's no way he's involved. It's no not, way. Yeah, that Chronicle is over. I mean, All right, well, thank you for coming to episode 17 of our Max Landis fan oh, uh, hosted by Jamie Lansdowne of Brooklyn, Listen, New York. I don't know, so um, just to be clear, we all, everyone's aware of the joke that we obviously we, we, we love Bright. Uh, 
This and is a minimum max. Big yeah. fans of Bright. Yeah, minimum max. Yeah, yeah we're, we're Brightheads. Um, Edgar Wright would be a good choice. Yes, Brightheads. Sure. It's all, the through line is there. Well, but excited to talk about this. We're, we're calling, you know, we're wrapping up a, a real toasty episode sweating through here. Uh, so I, we're so happy that Pat got to join us and sweat it through with us and share some of his hot takes on AWIL, which honestly are, are all the correct way of watching this movie. And, and speaking of sweaty, where we're going tomorrow has no air conditioning at all. No AC. Scariest horror And it's just... <laughs> we're going to be uh, dealing with some other furry animals that are scary and will bludgeon you. Oh, and we didn't ways. even get to talk about it, but there was those two little uh, kids at the... with walking the dog in American Werewolf that just remind me of some kids we might see soon. Oh yeah, the obnoxious Asshole British kids. <laughs> if asshole British twins doesn't set you off for this, you know, prepare for prepare for tomorrow. But thanks again, Pat David, for joining. Thank you, Pat. Our, our way yeah, host. Thanks, and uh, <laughs> look, look forward to our, you know, I guess uh, Pat is my champion today and Jamie and Chris will be calling their respective champions for a couple future pods this Ooh, week. So this week is our, you know, three plus one, 31 <laughs> for 31 week. You know, how we can make that work. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye guys. Peace.